So we're in this series called Playlist. If you're brand new to our gathering, thanks for coming today. Uh, We like to take songs and uh, just kind of speak and look through the lens of of God and and the spiritual uh, side of music. We believe that all music is Christian. I don't believe there's any such thing as a segment of music called Christian. I think it's, it's it's either all God's music or it's not God's music. And what happens is people will take God's music and they'll pervert it. And they'll twist it and they'll turn it into what God never intended for it to be. And to be honest with you, sometimes I listen to Christian music and I'm like, that's really not that Christian. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. All right, so you're like, that's not true. It is true. You, got, you have to discern everything you listen to. Just because it's on Christian radio doesn't mean it's good theology. That's truth right there, Okay. All right, so we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, so I'm going to give you time to look that up, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, download version. great version of the Bible. Uh, it's a good app, and I read out of the New Living Translation. And if you're new, by the way, my name's Brad, and I'm uh, the pastor, and love to meet you after service. I'm always hanging out by the front doors with my wife, Laura. We'd love to connect with you guys. Um, every Tuesday, I'm at the Starbucks. Uh, by the Warren Theater, so come hang out if you want, 7 a.m., and one of the best ways to connect, by the way, with us is using the Next Step cards, so if you're new or if you got a prayer request, if you recently made a commitment to follow Jesus and and be baptized, let us know about that so we can get your baptism set up for you. Whatever it is you have going on, if you want to get connected, use that card. So this series, Playlist, we're in the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, our God time is taking us through the life of King Solomon. He's the one who wrote this. How many of you were here last week, just so I know who was here? Okay, most of you. Okay, great. That's good. Um, So let me bring, those of you who are new or you weren't able to be here, uh, we talked about this guy named King Solomon. There was nobody as wise as King Solomon. God had given him more wisdom than anyone before him. And anyone since him, he's the wisest person who ever lived, but unfortunately, he wasted a lot of that wisdom, and he made a lot of poor choices. And so now he's at the end of his life, he's kind of reflecting back on his life, and when you read Ecclesiastes, it's very confusing. In fact, it's so confusing that actually the Hebrews were thinking about leaving it out of the Old Testament. Like when they, when they, when they, when they put the Hebrew Old Testament together... They were like, maybe we should set that one aside. It's a little odd. Because if you read it, it's kind of dark. But what you have to understand is King Solomon was in a bad place. He had made some poor choices and decisions in his life, and he was really almost writing most of it, if not from a depressive state. He was looking back, and he had just wasted wisdom. So when you, we got to look through that, that lens. But I love this song, Let It Be, because it says, whisper words of wisdom. And if anybody has wisdom that they could whisper to us, it would be Solomon. And he has this moment here in chapter three. Now, we won't read the whole chapter because we're going to read this moment. And all of a sudden, he's, he's like just spitting out wisdom. And then he just goes back into his depressive state. But uh, for a moment, he has such wise words to say. Look at uh, chapter three. We're going to read just the first part of it. And he says this, he's reflecting back, and he says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching. Time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to quit and a time 
uh, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What I want to talk to you about today is can I let it be? Can I let it be? Father, we come to you in this moment and we thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for this amazing worship that we've had and the singing in this place. It's just been so contagious and so good. We pray now as, as you just begin to speak to all of us. You have a word for all of us, and so we ask you to speak that over us now. Uh, and if you're ready to hear from God in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. All right, you can sit down. Well, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, uh, I sat right here, and a young man by the name of Rocky Guy sat right here. How many of you were here for that, just so I can see? Okay, powerful powerful story. If you were not able to be here, you can actually listen to the podcast. I'd strongly encourage you to do so. But let me kind of catch you up on that. So Rocky was uh, born in Ethiopia, and uh, he was orphaned at the age of five. But he was adopted by an American family, Todd and Jody Guy. Uh, Todd actually was the one who brought the podium out here this morning, and his mom, uh, Jody, they attend our church, if you don't know that, and they brought him to the United States. And he told this amazing story, but part of that story he told us was that in the, over the course of the last year, he had saved all the money that he had earned from working at Brahms, every dime of it, didn't spend a dime of it. And, and he took that money, and this past summer, he went back to Ethiopia, uh, went across Ethiopia to find his birth family and gave them that money. And then he gave the rest of it to the church in that area. All of us that were here were just stunned. Um, It was incredibly challenging and incredibly inspiring. I was so inspired by it that I I went home, and that night I was uh, getting my clothes ready for the next day, and I started looking in my closet, and I was like, I just got too many clothes. I just need to get rid of some of these shirts, some of these pants, and so have you ever done that purge before? And I grab a black trash bag, and I start cleaning out shirts, and I was like, you know what? I'm giving my good shirts away, and so I found good shirts, and I pulled them down. I threw them in the bag. I went to the back of the closet. Anybody ever go to the back of the closet? You're like, I haven't worn that in a long time. It's awesome, but I, I, I need to give it away, and so I grabbed some pants, and from the back of the closet, threw them in the trash bag, got up the next day, took the bag, gave it to Salvation Army. Man, it just felt so good. Does it not feel good to give? It just feels good just to give. So I got home that night, and, um, I, and I went to the closet because I had to prepare for an engagement that I was having later that week, and I needed to wear my suit for this engagement. So when I went to the closet, I uh, went and I got my suit jacket, and then I was like, where's my pants? <laughs> oh, my pants. We're in the black trash bag that went to Salvation Army. I had donated half of my suit to Salvation Army. And I was so frustrated because I had just gotten my suit tailored. And I'd spent some money on this thing. And I was like, ah. And I had this event and I had to get my suit. And so we rushed down to Salvation Army and we said, hey. And they said, I'm sorry. The truck has already left. It's already gone downtown. I'm like, okay, can I go down there? They're like, well, they're closed tonight. But you can go downtown tomorrow if you want in the morning. And, and you could try. I was like, I got to have these pants. So I, next morning I get up, I get in my car, and I drive downtown. So I'm headed downtown Tulsa. Anybody ever driven downtown Tulsa in rush hour? 
It's a madhouse. I mean, the streets are like 15 feet long. And so we're, we're driving, we're going through the light. And so we're headed through the light. And as we're headed through the light, suddenly traffic stops because there's a city bus blocking the intersection up, up, up in front. So everybody stops and the tail end of my truck is kind of sticking out in the intersection. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. And so I look at the guy in front of me and I see that if he pulls up, a, he's got a full car length. You got a full car length. Pull up. I mean, I didn't say it that way. I said, Father, I would just ask. And Jesus, no. I said, pull up. And, and he's not listening. He's not listening. He can't catch all the verbal signals. I wasn't giving him that verbal signal. But I, I yeah, yeah. Some of y'all give that signal. I don't give that signal. Uh, and so I'm like, so I give him a little tap of the horn, beep, beep, like that, just like that. And, and he's like, sees me. He moves up like three feet. I'm like, dude, I'm still out in the intersection. So I'm like, I look over and there's a motorcycle cop giving someone a ticket on the other side of the road. And I think to myself, if I don't move up, he's going to give me a ticket. So I lay on the horn, and move up now. What I didn't realize is by honking my horn, I would draw attention to myself from said motorcycle officer. He sees me. Next thing I know, I got lights behind me. I'm pulled over in a parking lot. He's coming up, and I'm just, I'm praying. I'm praying. I seriously was praying. I was like, God, you know I need my suit pants. God, you know I can't afford this right now. My son's getting married, and I don't have the money. God, please help me, Jesus. Okay, so, I mean, we got, y'all do it. Everyone does it. And so he comes up, and, and I'm giving him my excuse. And it wasn't a horrible excuse. I'm like, dude, I was like, just barely out in the intersection. No, everybody was able to get by me. I haven't had a ticket in like 20 years. And he's like, oh, sorry, I just got to give you a ticket. Uh. Uh. Is there any policeman here? I apologize for that. was so rude of me. Y'all think that though, don't you? Y'all do Y'all like, oh no, I never did. I respect the law. I mean, whatever. Okay. So he goes back and I'm like, I haven't had a ticket. Sure, he's not giving me a ticket. He comes up. He gives me the ticket. I didn't know this. Now they have this electronic thing. They, they just they debit card it out on you. Have you seen this? Some of y'all are like, oh, yeah, I just got a ticket last week. A lot of you get tickets. So you know. Everybody's feeling me. So I, I, he hands me this thing, and I got to sign it. I'm just like. And I hand him the ticket. And as he's walking back, I, I promise you, I swear to you, I look in my rearview mirror, and he's behind me. And, and, and his, his uh, motorcycle's right behind my, my truck. And I'm thinking to myself, Brad, you're a preacher. Remember, you're a pastor. Because I wanted to put that thing in reverse and just boom, just back right over that bike. I'm so angry. But if I had done that, I'd be preaching this morning from David L. Moss. So I, I did not. But that's not where the story ends. So I get the ticket, and then I go, well, now I'm all in. So I go down to Salvation Army, and I go down there, and I go in, and I go, hey, I'm looking for my dress pants. They're in a, a black trash bag. And the guy who runs the place named Norman, he just looks at me and goes, come with me. Go on, go on. He takes me back, and he goes, might be in here somewhere. They had a warehouse that was twice the size of our entire facility, a sea of black trash bags. He goes, but hey, 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 but hey, these are the ones that came in last night that were about the size of this auditorium. And I'm like, oh, never mind. He goes, no, 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 no. I think just to humiliate me even more, he says, hey, guys, come here, come here. Like, Tell him your story. 
I'm like, well, okay, guys, so it shouldn't be hard to find. It's a black trash bag. <laughs> and they're men's dress pants. Uh, no, they never found them. I ended up having to buy a brand new suit. Uh, and that was the most expensive pair of dress pants I have ever bought in my entire life. You know, the thing is, so you can, it's, I don't think it's incredibly difficult to overcome a bad day. You pay the ticket, you, you buy the new suit, you just move on. But what do you do when you are stuck in a bad season? Like, what do you do when the relationship isn't turning around? When, when you're, you're praying and you're in church and you're saying the right things and you're doing the right things, but there's still incredible tension in that relationship and it's going the wrong way? What, what, do, you, what do you do when you're stuck financially? You know, where you're like, I'm giving, I gave an anniversary offering, I give regularly and, and I, I'm, I'm a good steward, but you just, frankly, you're like, I don't. Just don't, there's more bills coming in and not enough money to cover it, and it just keeps coming at you, and it's so overwhelming, and you just like I, you never, you just can't see the. It's like a sea of bill, bills that you see, or maybe maybe you're maybe you're stuck in a class. Maybe this semester you got yourself into a class, and you thought I'm going to go for this. This is what I'm going to go into, and this is what I'm going to learn about, and then you're overwhelmed by what you got yourself into, and now you're stuck in it because you've got the whole entire semester and nothing is going right, it's going backwards. Or maybe it has to do with your health, maybe it has to do with your job. There's a season that you find yourself stuck in. Well, Solomon talks about seasons in Ecclesiastes 3.1. He says, for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And then he goes through the list, which we just read a moment ago. There's a time to be born there's a time to die. There's time to build up. There's also a time to tear down. There's time to laugh. There's also a time to cry. There's time to dance. And there's a time to grieve. There's time to tear. There's a time to mend. There's a time for love. There's a time for hate. I think, I think we all understand struggle. I mean, we all understand that there's pain, there's loss, there's brokenness, and there's joy, and there's laughter, and there's peace in our lives. And we all, I think, understand intuitively that you can't have one without the other. We're all going to experience these seasons in our lives. I mean, all of us living in Oklahoma understand that, right? Like just last weekend, did you not think last weekend, woo, fall is here. Then you woke up the next day and you're like, I can't stand Oklahoma. We were this close to hoodies and pumpkin spice lattes. Now I'm preaching. But what comes after that? Winter. And when we have a harsh winter in Oklahoma, nobody likes harsh winters in Oklahoma. Nobody likes the ice storms. Nobody likes the, the brutal cold. We just kind of want to skip over it. Nobody likes that. We, we want to be in a good season, right? That's what we want in life. We want a good season. We want, like what Solomon talks about, we want a season of laughing and dancing and, and love and pumpkin spice lattes for everyone. I mean, that's what we want. No one enjoys or looks forward to winter seasons, times of, of crying, of grieving, of tearing, or as the song says, times of, of trouble, hours of darkness, brokenhearted seasons. 
Solomon comes along and he tells us something very interesting. He says that there, there's beauty to be found in every season of life. Look what he says in verse 11 after he goes on this little rant about all the different seasons. He says this, yet God has made, say this with me, what? Everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. If you're taking notes, write this down. Look for the beauty in the broken. Look for the beauty in the broken. Now, I know some of you today, you're in a winter season, and you're, you, you are already broken, and you're like, look for it. I, I, what I want you to do, I want you to write that down as a question. If you're in a winter season, write it down as a question, like, can, can I... Can I look for the beauty in, 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 in the broken? Last week we talked about wasted wisdom, but I, I think sometimes we can waste winter. And God does not want us to waste a winter season. Solomon says it this way. It, it's, he said it, it's hard to see the whole scope of God's work when you're in a harsh season. I mean, let, let, let's be honest. We, we just, we just want to forget about it. We just want to move on. Like, Forget, let it be. We want to sing, let it go, let it go. That's what we want. I mean, we'd never, never mind, let it be. I mean, we just, we want to get through the winter season as quickly as possible. We like, it's like we like to binge watch through winter seasons of life. I mean, we live in a binge watching world right now, don't we? I mean, we just... That's just who we are, man. That's what we, have you ever been uh, on your, your uh, app or whatever it is, you know, whether it's Netflix or Hulu or whatever, and you're like, oh, I want to find a new show to watch. And you click on it, and you're like, oh, only one season. Never mind. <laughs> like, unless it has three or four, I'm not in. Because we just, we got to, we can't stand tension. We can't stand waiting. Like, it'll get to the end of the episode, and we're like, I got to know what happened. Five, four, three, two, I gotta know. I'm in. And then they relieve the tension. Oh, okay, that's what happened. Only to 40 minutes later, wrap up the tension one more time, and then you're back into that countdown clock. Are you not trying to really does anybody remember the good old days? Like when I say good old days, like five years ago, <laughs> when you couldn't binge watch? Do you remember that? Like you you had to wait an entire week or 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 man, I might have to wait an entire summer before I know, like you're watching Lost and you're like, yes, I'm lost. I have no idea. What is the black smoke? I don't know. <laughs> but you have to wait. We don't like to wait in winter seasons. We don't like the tension in winter seasons. So we'll do whatever we have to do to, to relieve the tension. Like we'll do... We'll just pretend it doesn't exist. Like we'll get on social media and we'll just post a picture of us doing Zumba. Doing Zumba, life is good. I'm doing good, life is fantastic right now. Meanwhile, you're melting down. We just, we ignore it. We uh, act like it's not, we blame others or we, we blame someone or something so that we don't have to, to deal with it. We, we just act like it's not even there. We just completely ignore it. And here's what happens. Some, some people get stuck in a season. 
and a season becomes a station. You were never meant to get stuck in a season. A season was never meant to become a station. You're meant to move through seasons. When I was in fourth grade, I, um, I was a huge Evil Knievel fan. Um, show of hands, anybody even remember Evil Knievel? Oh, all right, okay, not bad, not bad. I, if you don't know, you, gotta, you need to, go- no, don't Google it. Go home, get on YouTube, binge watch, binge watch Evil Knievel. He was amazing. Like this guy, I was obsessed with Evil Knievel, and I can't watch one Evil Knievel uh, video on YouTube without going to the next one because he was jumping buses, he was jumping Caesar's Palace, he was breaking bones. This guy was my hero. I love this guy and Jesus, okay? So it was weird, weird relationship, Jesus and evil. Very weird relationship for me as a child. But I loved, I loved Evil Knievel, and so I wanted, they came out with an Evil Knievel bike, and I had to have this bike, and so I begged for this bike for Christmas. Please, 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 please. And I remember waking up Christmas morning, and I remember going into the living room, and there was no bike. So frustrated. What I didn't know is that my parents had hid the bike, and then they brought the bike out. And I, I Googled it. I found this is a picture of the actual bike I got in fourth grade. Is that not the sweetest bike you've ever seen in your life? Hey, look at that. Look at the banana seat on that. Look, look at the look at the fake gas tank on it. Man, this thing, this thing had rat trap pedals. I don't even know what that means. Bias cool. I used to take this bike, and this isn't even for today, but man, I used to take this bike and we would jump stuff. We would jump people. We jumped each other. I remember one time we jumped a kid, his name was Andy. I landed on Andy, and he ran home and told his dad. His dad came running out, but can I tell you today, this bike can outrun a grown man. So I get this bike for Christmas, but it's Colorado. We're living in Colorado, snowstorm, can't get outside, we're snowed in, I can't ride my bike, and I think, no, nothing's going to keep me from riding this bike. So I got on my bike, and I started riding it around the house. Now, what you have to understand is we lived in a tiny little townhouse where the downstairs was smaller than this stage, okay, really tiny. But I was like, I am going to ride my new bike. So I got on my bike. I remember I rode down the hallway into the little entryway through the small living room we had, down through, we had this long, narrow kitchen, back down through the kitchen, and then down through the dining room, and then back again, down the hallway, over and over and over again. Listen, I was not going to let winter steal my joy. You can't let winter steal your joy. You can't. You can't get your eyes so focused on winter that you lose sight of the joy that God is trying to bring you in that season. I was like, winter, you ain't going to win this one. I am going to love this bike. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to have laughter. I'm going to have peace. That's the declaration you have to make in your life in the middle of a winter season. Because the enemy, the enemy wants you focused on winter. He wants you focused on the loss. He wants you focused on the heartache. He wants you focused on the, the failure. Don't waste winter. Man, God does some of his best work in winter. With God, there are no wasted winters. Come on now, tell three people, high five them and tell them there's no wasted winters. Come on, high five somebody, tell them there's no wasted winters with God. 
man, our God does not waste winter. But this is the thing, you've got to look for the beauty in the broken. You gotta find your joy and keep your joy in the winter season. You gotta look for it, you gotta mine for it because it's in the winter season that God works below the surface. He does the work that you cannot see. It's in the winter season that God is, is healing that loss. It's in the winter season where God is healing your soul. It's in the winter season where he is shaping and he is molding your character into what he desires it to be. Some of you, you don't have enough confidence or faith to make it in the harvest season. So God places you in a winter season so that he can build your confidence, so that he can strengthen your faith, so that you can make it out. Listen, even, even when you're in, in hibernation, some of you, you're in such a deep winter season, you're in a dark cave, you can't move. You can't see up from down, left from right, you, you're just in a dark place. Man, you're just, you're hibernating. Let God work in that hibernation, let him revive and renew your spirit. That even in the midst of your hibernation, God is working to restore you, to make all things new. You know, it's, it's not hard to see the beauty of God in, in the harvest season, right? Like when the bill gets paid, when the money comes in, you're like, whoop, 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 praise Jesus. I mean, that's, and you, we need to, we need to praise God. When the healing comes, when the promotion comes, when you get through that class and you're like, whoop. Past. I didn't get an A, but I don't care. Thank you, Jesus. I made it through that class, and, and I'm on to the next thing, and I'm going to get my diploma. I'm going to get my, my degree. And, or maybe you're in a job, and you, you, you get a new job, or you get the promotion, or something good happens. It's not, it's, not hard to, it's not hard to see the beauty in the harvest season, but it's difficult. It's difficult to see the beauty in the broken, like when you lose the job, when the relationship doesn't get mended, when the finances are, are just continuing to overwhelm you, when, when you go to the doctor and the report isn't what you thought it was supposed to be, and you can just get, you can get stuck in that season. And in Luke chapter 7, we see um, beauty in the broken. Luke chapter 7 we see the story of the sinful woman. They don't even give her a name. That's how broken she is. That's how low she is. They didn't even recognize her name. She's just known as the sinful woman. But I think we see the beauty of God in her brokenness because um, most theologians and scholars and historians believe that in that time period she was called the sinful woman because either she was an adulteress, a woman who had had many, many affairs and didn't care and just did whatever she wanted, or she was like a prostitute who sold herself. And, and so she was an outcast of society. Like nobody wanted to have anything to do with her. And they had this dinner for, for Jesus, and it's in this home. And it was the custom in that day because they didn't have shoes like we do, they had sandals and they walked on dirt roads that when you would come into someone's home and you were the guest and you were the honored guest the host would wash your feet but this host and no one else at this dinner party ever thought about washing Jesus feet 
And then in comes this woman. She has no business being at this dinner. She's not been invited to this dinner. And she comes in and she suddenly finds the beauty. She's looking for the beauty in her brokenness. Like in the midst of her brokenness, she had two choices. One, she could become bitter. I'm broken and I'm going to become bitter or I'm broken and I'm going to become beautiful. One or the other. And that's the choice we all have to make. And people, when they get broken, many times they get bitter and they walk away from God. But I'm telling you, you got to do what this woman did. you got to press into God because she moved to Jesus. She gets to Jesus. She takes this expensive perfume. She pours it out on his feet. She lets down her hair, which was the custom for that day. It doesn't make sense to us, but in that day it did. And she took her hair and she began to wash Jesus' feet. Why? Because she saw the beauty in the broken. She had seen Jesus. She saw the beauty of comfort. She saw the comfort that Jesus could give to her. She saw the mercy that God had provided for her when nobody else would welcome her in, when everyone else had forsaken her. She saw, my God is there. Jesus is there for me. And nothing was going to keep her from Jesus. But I think one of the things I love about this story is what she really saw was the presence of Jesus. When you're in a winter season, when you're at your most broken and you're most vulnerable, that is the time when God draws near. I like how the psalmist says it. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Like when our spirit, look at this, when our spirit is crushed, the Holy Spirit draws close especially in a season of winter. I I don't know how to explain that if you're not a follower of Jesus because if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're in your brokenness alone. But for those of us who have hope, who have Jesus in our lives, like what we know and we can't even articulate correctly is that when we are at our lowest, when you are in a broken season, God draws closer than he does in any season. There's nothing like the presence of God. I am broken, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful, but I'm, I'm broken. And it's broken, but it's, it's beautiful. So here's Solomon back in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and he, he says you got to trust in the sovereignty of God you got to trust the sovereignty of, of God. In other words, in, in times of trouble, in hours of darkness, in brokenhearted seasons, trust the sovereignty of God. Let it be. Can I let it be? Solomon describes the, the sovereignty of God this way in verse 14. He says, I know that whatever God does is final. That's the sovereignty of God. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. The sovereignty of God. God's purpose is that people should fear him. In other words, Solomon says, our purpose when we're in a winter season is not to question God. Our purpose in the winter season is to trust in his sovereignty and trust in him fully. Like, I don't understand what is happening to me. I, this does not make sense. Yet I will trust in God. 
Like, I, what's happening? Why is this going the wrong way? Why I'm serving you, God. I'm doing all I know to do, God. And it keeps going backwards, but I'm trusting your sovereignty because I know you will never abandon me. You will never, no matter how dark this gets, no matter how bad this gets, you're never going to leave me. And I know it doesn't look like it's going to turn around. I don't think it doesn't know how it's going to turn around. People, God, are making fun of me. People are talking about me. They're telling me to give up. But I trust that you are a good God and you want good for me. Can I trust the sovereignty of God? Can I trust him when the, when the relationship is broken. I'm going to trust you. When there's no money in the bank and the bills are coming, kids need new pants for school and some supplies that I can't get them. But I'm going to trust you, God. You're a good God. I don't understand it, but I believe in you and I'm going to trust in you. And for those of us who follow Jesus, what we know is that we have a hope that no one else has, that, that this is not the end. Solomon says it this way in verse 11. He says, he, that's God, God has planted eternity in the human heart. We have the hope of eternity. Come on, tell somebody next to you, you got the hope of eternity. You have the hope of eternity. Man, you, listen, the book of Revelation promises that one day, one day we are all going to move over to the other side, that place called heaven. And John got this revelation from God where he said, in that place, there are no more tears. In this place, I can't control my tears. My tears are out of control. I can't stop. But one day, my tears will dry up and they will be no more. Man, in, in this life, I'm suffering loss. I'm losing people I love. I don't understand what's happening, but in that life, Jesus says there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. Man, I am not getting healed. I don't know what's happening. I've been in this pain for a long time, and I've been up to that prayer line, and I've been praying, and I've been begging God, but I'm a follower of Jesus, and all I know is this life is going to end like that, and I'm going to cross over, and I'm going to be fully restored and fully healed by the power of God. That's the hope. That's the hope. Like as a follower of Jesus, that's what keeps me going. Like all of this pain, all of this brokenness, all the struggle that I'm having, it's just a blink of an eye and it's going to be gone and I'm going to enjoy the blessed assurance and the blessed glory and the blessed healing of Jesus for all eternity. Look for the beauty in the broken. 